Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech. And today we have the fantastic opportunity to talk to the co-founder of a company called Energy RM, Jason Gregory. Energy RM is working to align the incentives so that building owners and operators and tenants can all get into uh, buying energy retrofits. Um, it's a massive problem, and we're excited to hear a little bit about uh, how you solve it. But Jason, before we uh, hop into what Energy RM actually does, um, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and how you got to co-founding the company. Yeah, hi, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, so my background uh, is largely in the energy space. Um, uh, shortly after college, I ended up uh, in energy consulting, uh, working with utility companies, uh, some, some oil and gas kind of midstream, um, and made the transition out of that after uh, quite a few years hopping on airplanes and uh, working with some of the larger players in North America in that space. Uh, and went to work for a, a, a software startup in the clean tech uh, arena, working uh, kind of in the residential uh, utility energy efficiency sector uh, before jumping back into consulting for a bit. So um, my background just really mostly kind of steeped in energy in one form or another. Got it. Got it. And and what was that sort of moment that made you think, I, I need to leave this fat consulting paycheck and go and uh, eat ramen noodles and start a company? Yeah, I just always wanted to eat uh, ramen noodles. I think uh, <laughs> as, as my my goal. Um, no, you know, I think with uh, with consulting, you're faced with a lot of interesting challenges. Um, but working with some larger corporate players on the utility side, uh, the problems became a bit repetitive, uh, and I wanted to uh, be able to affect change in, uh, in in parts of the sector that I felt strongly about. So that kind of led to uh, uh, here at Energy RM. Perfect. Perfect. Well. Um, okay, there was obviously some large problem here. You know, if the problems you were working on with utilities were were a bit repetitive, what was the problem that you then set out to solve with Energy RM? Yeah, I think I, um, just at a high level, Energy RM is a clean energy fintech company. Uh, we turn buildings into energy efficiency generators. Uh, the problem, as we see it though in the market, uh, is that owners of commercial buildings simply don't invest in energy efficiency. Uh, when tenants have to pay their own utility bills. So this is predominantly triple net or modified gross leases. Um, and, and the problem really is that of broken cash flows. So I don't, I don't think there's any misunderstanding in the market of the value of energy efficiency. It's that every dollar that an owner pays in uh, or puts in for efficiency um, is really to the benefit of the tenant uh, in perpetuity in the form of lower energy bills. So we see this as a, as a misaligned economic interest uh, and a problem of broken cash flows that really doesn't provide a path for owner investment in energy efficiency uh, to be recovered uh, really at all. Because uh, what we know is that tenants of buildings typically aren't willing to pay higher rent in exchange for those lower energy bills. Yep, yep. And maybe for me to put it into the like four dummies version of this, this is basically if I own and operate a building, um, 
I end up only paying the electricity on, say, maybe the vestibule and the entryway and the hallways, whereas my tenants are typically uh, paying for the energy inside their, you know, office spaces or inside their houses, right? Um, and so we got a misalignment of incentives. Who should pay to replace the HVAC motor on the roof if I own the building, but I don't pay for all of the electricity and the tenant is paying for the electricity, but they don't own the building and the, the rooftop unit, right? So we, we just have this awkward impasse um, that I hear about a lot from most of the people I talk to here, where you've almost got too many cooks in the kitchen and the incentives aren't aligned. Is that pretty much the summary here? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And and even if um, owners and tenants wanted to um, improve the building, make it greener, more productive, more comfortable, maybe they can lease the building faster or retain tenants more, um, you still have a market that's largely dependent on um, legacy energy service company contracts that are often a debt instrument or a capital lease or otherwise dilutive to a building's balance sheet, which for the, the, the REITs, private equity, and family funds with the large concentration of real property assets uh, domestically, um, these contract structures just don't, you know, aren't palatable. So what we do, uh, without getting too far into our solution, but is turn owner investment in comprehensive uh, or deep energy efficiency retrofits uh, into new rent paid to the building. So we're, we're aligning interests kind of all the way around, uh, creating a, a mechanism for recovery of energy efficiency financial investment for, for owners. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And so maybe to double click on, on the financial aspect of this, we've got, we've got two problems, right? We've got the misalignment of incentives between the building owners and the tenants, but then we've also got some sort of regulatory and financial setups here where uh, REITs, who own a significant portion of the, the building stock out there, um, are allowed what is known as sort of good income and bad income. And the good income is, is uh, tenancies, it's rent, and typically that is tax exempt, uh, whereas any, any revenue that they bring in in other ways typically is not tax exempt. And so you've got this weird perverse incentive here. Uh, for them not to spend money or, or bring money in and anything that isn't a tenancy or, or can't be sort of classified as rent, right? But be- before we jump into the sort of specifics of how you guys are solving this, um, you know, at the end of the day, how, how big is this opportunity, right? Like, why, why should anybody even care? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem is huge. Um, the, you know, we can look at it a couple of different ways. One in terms of just the, the number of buildings uh, that are out there between, let's just say, the, the US and Europe, which I think is somewhere north of, of 200 million uh, uh, buildings. And, you know, buildings of, of meaningful size, let's just say that's more than 25,000 square feet. Um, there's about 2.2 million buildings. Uh, that's a lot of, a lot of square footage. Um, what we know as an industry is that the commercial building sector specifically is the largest untapped sector for energy efficiency, um, meaning that on average, commercial buildings are over-consuming energy uh, to the tune of about 30% um, uh, because of these misaligned economic interests between owners and tenants. So, you know, that, that translates, that problem translates to uh, a very big investable opportunity uh, going forward um, to to capture all of that energy efficiency opportunity requires uh, meaningful spending, um, but that spending then generates new rent for buildings. So we we see it as something that goes hand in hand with uh, with owner interests. Yep, yep, and I, I think the numbers, and I'll, I'll probably butcher them a little bit, but it's it's something on the line uh, along the lines of about. 
35% of all of the energy usage in the United States is going into buildings. And out of that, it's about 60 to 70% that's going into commercial buildings, right? So sort of the size of the bogey that uh, you can go after here is just monstrous, right? And the, the trillions of dollars of, of energy spend, right? Um, okay, so how do you fix this, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, uh, seem, seems like a very, very complicated uh, thing to really dig your teeth into. So how do you guys crack the nut? Yeah, yeah. So a- after studying the problem uh, long and hard, and, and talking with the, the heads of sustainability, with many of the, the leading REITs, um, asset managers, uh, capital markets, um, it became clear to us that what was needed to fix the problem was a technology-enabled business model innovation. So technology or, or software by itself wasn't going to fix things. Uh, a unique contract by itself wasn't going to fix things. And so, um, you know, our, our solution, what we brought to market, what we developed uh, is our energy investment and transaction platform. And this platform really gives building owners a low friction way to prospect portfolios for uncaptured energy efficiency opportunity and model corresponding uh, financial investments. Um, it also provides the the necessary capabilities to remotely uh, meter energy efic- energy efficiency production with transactable or investment grade accuracy, and then transact its value. Um, and then, lastly, our, our customers through this platform uh, have access to the Energy RM uh, investment structure, which is an innovative financial instrument that allows owner investment and energy efficiency to be recovered as new rent paid to the building. And I think, I think importantly there, it checks all of the kind of important boxes for owners in that it's not debt or a capital lease or otherwise alluded to the building's balance sheet. It transfers with building sale. It doesn't break when tenants move in and out, uh, has a high probability of surviving bankruptcy and, and, and so forth. Um, so these are the things that, you know, when we work with uh, building portfolio owners, uh, whether they're REITs or otherwise, um, think these are the things that have to be true uh, to really unlock capital investment inefficiency. Okay. Okay. So I think through sort of the, the murky depths, and I do have a finance background here, I'm kind of understanding how, how this works, right? But maybe maybe let's walk it through. And, and these things I always find are, are most useful if you do it from, from each point of view, right? The point of view of the tenants, what changes for them? And then let's do the point of view of, of the, the owner or the operator. But let's start with the tenant. Like, how does this actually work from the tenant's side? They're paying their utility bill on day zero. What happens after this has gone into place? What changes for them? Yeah, so let's just use a uh, an example. Uh, say a really vanilla uh, triple net lease office building. Um, it, it doesn't just apply to triple net lease office buildings, but it's a very vanilla example. Um, and also, if it works in triple net lease, it'll probably work in most other things, right? Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have over ninety million square feet on our platform of of uh, buildings of all types, ranging from uh, uh, kind of net zero buildings to an NFL stadium to hospitals and you know everything in between. So the the uh, from a tenant's perspective, um, nothing changes after an energy efficiency retrofit. Um, other than the building can t- is more productive, uh, uh, a better space to work, it's greener. Um, you know, pre-retrofit, let's just say a tenant was paying $1,000 on their apportioned share of the building's total energy expenses um, as passed through the, the CAMs, the common area maintenance charges. Um, post-retrofit, uh, that will continue to happen. Um, and the tenant will effectively continue to pay that same $1,000 um, in, a, in a way that keeps them bill neutral. 
So nothing changes from a, a, an expense perspective. Um, it just so happens that now maybe 600 of that thousand is going uh, to pay the utility and 400 of that is recovered through the CAMS to uh, 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 generate returns or generate new rent for the owner. Um, EnergyRM plays a special function here as a facilitator. So it's not a, a direct payment from tenant to owner. Um, it still flows through the CAMs, flows through EnergyRM's investment structure uh, and our enabling technology. And then we then disperse revenues to the appropriate parties, whether it's uh, uh, you know maybe a, a, a party that's providing maintenance, um, maybe it's to the building directly as a rent payment, or maybe you've... Uh, uh, leverage a financial partner uh, to provide some of the capital for that retrofit, and a portion goes to them. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now let's do from from the other side. Like I'm on day zero as the building owner or operator, and I decide to do this. Uh, how does the money flow? Yeah. So um, from an owner's perspective, uh, you would you would form the capital um, often uh, uh, through a, an SPV um, that's established to to make the investment. Um, that uh, capital would then go to pay a project developer. Um, maybe it's a, a general contractor you've worked with for years and are, are comfortable with, and you know you, you have them improve the building. Uh, or, or maybe you use one of our certified project development partners if you if you don't have a preferred party. But that check uh, effectively pays for the deep retrofit. Um, once that retrofit is completed, uh, EnergyRM then goes to work to meter. Uh, the energy efficiency performance on a monthly basis. Um, we, uh, behind the scenes, are using a, a patented modeling engine um, where we're doing all kinds of fancy building science work to establish a, a baseline. So what would the building otherwise consumed uh, had the retrofit not taken place? And then we calculate the difference and send a bill to the building uh, for the, the the value of that difference between um you know, energy consumption pre-retrofit and utility consumption post-retrofit. Um, from a building owner's perspective, then the the um, the revenues then flow back through the building SPV uh, as a rental payment uh, through an energy tenancy, and so that then of course positively affects net operating income and and positively affects cap rate of the building. Yep, and then critically, that that sort of uh, tenancy income goes into the the good income side of the bucket, uh, typically for for people like REITs, right? Exactly, and to say it kind of plainly too, you can think about um, really shifting the paradigm around energy efficiency investment from a a kind of a um, uh, only as needed uh, 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 capital investment that would be taken away from funds available for distribution to shareholders and put it into the kind of a, the new category of energy efficiency as a, uh, a form of investment that's generating shareholder returns. So from, from our perspective, um, energy efficiency needs to be looked at as something that delivers the same or better uh, financial performance as compared to other uses of capital, like buying additional buildings. One of the things that we didn't talk about um, around the problem, um, but if we look back all the way to the, the 1970s, energy efficiency has been something that's um, largely been driven by maybe utility incentives that pay pennies on the dollar for changing light bulbs or, or things that are, are good, but they don't really capture that full uh, energy efficiency potential. And really it, 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 doesn't uh, uh, turn energy efficiency into a, this this 
you know, fantastic investment opportunity for owners. So we're trying to change the paradigm and look at energy efficiency as an, you know, a sound financial investment that delivers uh, strong financial performance. Yeah, and and maybe to to make it a little bit clearer here, let let's run through an example. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about one of my portfolio companies here. So so Turntide has has electric motors, drop and replacement for the the rooftop units, and in rough numbers, right, a five thousand dollar motor saves you. Let's just call it to keep the numbers uh, easy, two thousand five hundred bucks per year in electricity. With traditional things like where a utility incentive, a utility incentive might have given you a couple hundred bucks off of the $5,000 it took to install that energy uh, that energy efficient motor, right? Whereas what you instead are doing is now you've got a, a situation where the landlord is able to take part in the $2,500 of energy savings that that motor is probably going to drive over the next 20 years. So let's call it in rough numbers, $50,000 worth of value over the next 20 years that that $5,000 investment is going to, uh, going to have. Um, so we've sort of turned the whole thing on its head and allow the landlord to take part in the value creation as opposed to just getting a couple of you know bucks off the capex investment up front, right? Is that a good sort of summary here? It is. It is. Yeah. And and really the the what you just talked about there, um, our software that the the first part of our software that customers use is called Insights, and this is where we take you know. Um, energy data, um, meaning just your monthly utility bills that most owners have easy access to. Um, we pull in uh, the weather. We need to know the building address, you know, just for, for location purposes, what type of building it is, uh, and how many square feet. And then our modeling engine goes to work to uh, identify uncaptured energy efficiency opportunity, um, but frames it in the th through the financial lens. So it's not just about energy analytics, but what's the annualized value of the metered energy efficiency. And if we apply the owner's cost of capital and uh, plug that into our financial model, we then begin to look at uh, energy efficiency investment as a long-term uh, opportunity that delivers you know, financial performance that, that clears the owner's financial hurdle. Yep, got it. Okay, and I know uh, our, our audience is probably also now thinking kind of like, uh, uh, where do the wheels fall off, right? Where does this model break? Um, so let's say, uh, let's run through some of the corner cases. What happens when that tenant, uh, say, comes to the end of their lease or breaks a lease early or, or, or moves on? Yeah, uh, nothing really. So the, the beauty of this, uh, of this investment structure is that um, it, it behaves just like any other expense uh, that sits uh, with the building uh, as the accountable party to pay. And then it follows the whatever the existing path for expense recovery from tenants is, whether it's CAMs uh, apportioned on a per square foot basis or something else, um, it, it really kind of meets the building where it is in how it recovers those kinds of expenses. Got it, got it. And then the other side that I could see maybe uh, not performing as planned would be what if what if the retrofits don't actually hit your model savings? Yeah, so um, thinking about insights, that front end part of our, our product that, that building owners start using, um, we're going to project performance based on how our modeling engine assesses current state physics of the buildings. I don't want to get too technical here, um, but we're going to make modifications to this physics-based model to say, how could this building perform post-retrofit? So it's not comparing it to a benchmark or an average or an ideal building. Um, it's comparing the building against itself. And what this allows us to do is, is produce uh, 
energy efficiency prospecting numbers. So what's the forecasted efficiency that are that are uh, that are really good, but they're not always perfect, right? We're doing this with monthly utility bills. There's only so much detail that we can we can see in the data. Um, what happens uh, after that? Once a, a building owner goes through maybe a, a kind of a funneling process to say I've got a hundred buildings, but which are the ten that I start with, is um, uh, either one of our partners or the building's preferred vendor will do an audit of the building and produce a, a project design plan that has uh, those savings numbers associated with it. We'll just plug those numbers in because the, those are probably developed from a kind of a more robust on-site analysis. Um, if the, the building doesn't hit those uh, projections, there's a, a couple of mitigating strategies that we have. We work with a, a, an energy savings uh, insurance provider um, that's kind of new to the U.S. market that is comfortable working with whole building uh, energy efficiency retrofits, uh, which is kind of a unique thing. Um, there's also um, capabilities in our software uh, within Insights around financial modeling to stress test models. So what happens if the project underperforms by 10% or 20%? What does this mean from a financial point of view? Um, there's also some, some contracting uh, methods with the project developer that can uh, sort of defer some of that risk, or not defer, but transfer some of that risk onto the project developer in a way that kind of in total um, makes these projects very risk tolerable. Yep, got it, got it. Uh, th this is fascinating stuff. I mean, aligning the incentives here between the tenant and the land uh, landlord is is critical if we're going to get the the whole industry to start um, deep retrofitting their buildings. But what what I find most interesting about this is actually that way that we can allow the landlords or the the operators of the buildings to take part in more of the value that they're creating because I think that's an incentive here that's really going to start to move the needle. So, um, if people are interested, where can they uh, find Energy RM and uh, learn more? Yeah, um, you can find us online at energyrm.com. Uh, you can send an email to join at energyrm.com or find me maybe on LinkedIn, uh, if that's easier for you, uh, Jason Gregory. Um, and we look forward to connecting through one of those channels. Fantastic. Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.